his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. For the 8 o'clock hour, we start out talking about good news. Benito Matias, Matias, sorry, Benito Matias, is the principal of Ascension um, Catholic School over in North Minneapolis. Yes, Ascension Catholic School. Two nephews that went to that school. My goodness. Um, he has worked in the field of education for over 25 years. Now, the last 12 of which has been as a school administrator. Benito's educational work has included being a Dunwoody College of Technology instructor, a Minneapolis public school district teacher, and the executive director of Metro Tech Career Academy. Now, Benito was born and raised in Minneapolis, and he's a graduate of Patrick Henry High School, Dunwoody College of Technology, Bemidji State University, and St. Mary's University, where he learned, where he earned a Master of Education degree. And he is joining us tonight. How are you, sir? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me this evening. It's great to have you on to hear about what Ascension is doing. My goodness, you you became principal, what, in 2016, I think? No? Yep, yep, right around that time. Uh, I joined Ascension in 2013 as the Dean of Scholars and uh, had the honor of taking over for my predecessor, who was the principal there for 29 years. So big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. Um, Ascension has been known about over North Minneapolis for decades and decades. And of course, um, the children and the principals come and go, that sort of thing. But what they are focusing on stay has been the same over the years. I mean, as far as being a Christian, uh, a Catholic school, um, making sure that the children know God and understand that God is a big part of their education. Am I correct in that? Uh, absolutely correct. And it's, you know, it's awesome to be a part of, to really uh, try to carry on the tradition, as you said, uh, for many, many decades, over 130 years, in fact, uh, Ascension Catholic School and, and Ascension Parish have been on that block. And to just be a part of such a rich history uh, and what that school and that organization means to the community, it's just a, it's a blessing for me to serve in, in this role. Now, I have to tell you, it's really surprising to hear how how well you are doing um, over here in, in, in North Minneapolis. In fact, um, the question is, how in the world did one North Minneapolis grade school thrive so much? I mean, you are really thriving. What is the secret? I, I appreciate that question. And, you know, I say to folks often that uh, it's it's hard work. And the, the teachers are absolutely phenomenal. Regardless of what the technological tools are that we have or the curriculum that we use, I often say those things alone don't teach kids. Uh, the people in front of those scholars, our teachers, 
each and every day uh, are the ones that, that, that work hard day in and day out, along with the scholars, of course, uh, who are the ones who are doing the work uh, and actually getting the, the results. Uh, I say to folks that it's, it's, it's messy. And what I mean when I say that is everybody, teachers, uh, administrators, scholars, certainly they have lives outside of the four walls of our school. So in the midst of teaching reading and writing and math, uh, people have real-life challenges going on. So when I say it's messy, that's what I mean by that. And, and even though we're working hard on the academics, we also have to pay close attention to what's going on in people's lives. And, and as, as we all know all too well, the last couple of years, you know, any challenges that people have have just been exacerbated, uh, given the ripple effects of the pandemic, et cetera. And, and at the end of the day, it's about relationships with people, you know, no, no matter how hard you, you work at um, the curriculum, the math, the reading, et cetera, uh, you have to build relationships. There's, there's an old saying that kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Ah, put that on a T-shirt for me. That'd be great. Well, I have to tell you, sir, it's really quite remarkable how the public schools are suffering so in Minneapolis. I live in Minneapolis, so I can't speak for St. Paul, but in Minneapolis, just really suffering. And there is such a difference between a private school and a public school. Tell me why the private schools, according to the statistics, are better off for students than public schools. What is your understanding of that? Is it because they have, you know, the, the tax money goes into the public schools, but tax money does not go into private schools? You know, I, I think that's an important topic, no question about it. I was actually just meeting with a, a family earlier this week, and, and what I shared with them is that, you know, the traditional public school across the street from us, they don't love their kids any less, and we love our kids. Um, they don't they don't work any uh, less than our teachers work. One of the things that I said to uh, the family that I was meeting with earlier this week is that as a faith-based school, we're able to approach some things a little bit differently. Um, but folks, whether they're in traditional public, whether they're in charter public, or whether they're in, in private education, I think that the goal and the desire and what we want as an outcome for kids is the same, as well as for parents. Uh, clearly, the, the, the way that those outcomes show up uh, look a little bit different from time to time. Uh, but I don't think it's due to lack of caring. I don't think it's due to lack of effort. Uh, and I wish it was really just one thing because, man, I'd bottle it up and sell it and I'd retire. Uh, but it, there's so many factors that go into a scholar's education and, and the outcomes that you're referring to. Um, so I, I can't really point to one thing. And, and for us, we just focus on what's worked for us for decades uh, in building relationships with families, working with scholars, uh, and doing our best to make sure that scholars are prepared for that next journey in their life. We're a kindergarten through eighth grade school, so for us, the next stage is high school. And we want all of our scholars to have the ability to go to any high school uh, in the state of Minnesota and, and to be able to compete. So, so that's, that's what we focus on. Okay, so then if that's the case... You have already started an academy where you brought on two other schools, so it's Ascension as well as um, St. Peter Claver, and I can't remember the last of the three. Is that academy still uh, open? That's correct. So, so it's a partnership between three schools, as you mentioned. Ascension Catholic School is one. 
St. John Paul II in Northeast Minneapolis is our other sister school, and St. Peter Claver and St. Paul is the third. So the, the three schools together uh, make up Ascension Catholic Academy. You're correct. Okay, okay. And so that has been, uh, how have you seen that change things for the better? You know, one of the things that I, I say to folks in regard to that partnership is is it's like creating a small school district in, in which the three schools came together to really leverage resources. And so there are things that we as individual schools would not have been able to do, whether it's from a personnel perspective or whether it's from a leveraging uh, monetary resources perspective. And the three of us together uh, have allowed us to to really maximize those resources. And at the same time, maximizing the experience of the teachers at those three different schools, of the leaders of those three different schools. It's really created a synergy for us over the, the past five or six years. And so it's it's caused us to, I, I say, ask questions that perhaps we would not have asked in the time that we've been partners together mm-hmm. uh, and to move on um, those questions in terms of finding answers to provide the best educational experience we can for scholars and their families. When it comes to... Um private schools that have a faith um, involved, like the Catholic faith. Uh, Sometimes the parents say, wait a minute, they're trying to change my child's belief, what we've taught them since the beginning, and now my first grader comes home talking about Mass. Do you offer Mass? And if so, is is it mandatory for the students to participate? Great question. Thank you so much for asking that. When I meet with families throughout the school year, Um, You know, one of the things that we talk about is scholars and families don't have to be Catholic to attend our school. Our pastor, Father Dale Kurogi, has a saying that I just absolutely love. And he says, we do what we do because we're Catholic, not because they are. And and Ascension truly has come from the perspective and the lens of all are welcome. So uh, whatever folks' faith is, they don't have to be Catholic. We don't indoctrinate folks into Catholicism. Um, but we're unapologetically a Catholic school, and so we teach the Christian faith and the Roman Catholic tradition. Um, but we're also very respectful of, of different faiths that folks might come to the table with. So you have students of all colors um, from different communities, different countries? Yes, absolutely. Over the years we have, we, we serve predominantly scholars who live in North Minneapolis. So mm-hmm. I'd say over 90, 95% of our scholars live within a five-mile radius of our school. Um, we've we've got about 95% or so of our scholars are scholars of color, um, and in any given year, we're between 60 and 70% of those scholars are African American. About a quarter of those scholars usually usually are, uh, or in recent years, I should say, have been um, Latino, and uh, and then the remaining percentage has been a mixture, given you know whatever the the year might be. So some from different countries, et cetera, um, but but certainly a mix uh, of scholars that attend and, and families that belong to Ascension. There is one word that you keep repeating nearly in every sentence that you give us, and that is scholar. You know, for me, words matter. What you call the children, uh, if they're coming in school every day and you say, hello, scholar, um, or hello, scholar, Jennifer, that sort of thing, it matters. And I love that you're doing that because those positive words just kind of, I can imagine that you guys talk about why do we call you scholars. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Thank you for um, for lifting that up. And that comes really out of our partnership with Northside Achievement Zone, NAS, which is a nonprofit, of course, in the North Minneapolis uh, area, a great, great partner of ours. And, and in that partnership for the past 10 plus years, um, as we've grown uh, in that relationship, we, through that partnership, have begun to call our students scholars. 
And you're absolutely right when you talk about words matter. And we, we talk to our scholars a lot about uh, two things. Uh, one is that God has created them for greatness. And, and, and no matter what they are going through in their lives, they have a responsibility to live up to that greatness. But they don't have to do it alone, right? Their families, their parents, those of us at the school, we want to walk that journey with them. And then the other piece is about being a scholar and what that means. And, and for anybody who has either worked with kids or has children of their own, you know that you don't say something to a kid one time and that's the last time you have to say something to them. There's a, there's a constant teaching, a constant redirecting with scholars because that's how we grow. That's how, that's how we learn. And so we constantly talk about being scholars and what that means in terms of their, their responsibility, in terms of their own belief. Uh, you know, we talk a lot in Minnesota about the achievement gap and how significant it is in comparison to other states around our country. But we don't often talk about the belief gap. And that belief gap has to do with scholars' own belief in their ability to achieve and the belief that the adults that are working with them have in their ability to achieve. And so we utilize that word scholars to to help to bridge that gap. Yeah, I love it. You know, um, I have some of your statistics. Like it says, Ascension's 10-year proficiency average for eighth grade scholars is 70%. 70%. And these are children of color. That is a remarkable percentage. Um, are you trying to get to 100? And Indeed. if so, how are you doing that? How are you doing that? You know, it's, it's one of those things where um, we certainly – aren't where we want to be, even though uh, we're appreciative of the success that we have had, that our scholars have had, that our teachers have had. Um, but, but we can't be complacent. We can't plateau. And every year is different, right? Because it's a different group of, of scholars. It's a different group of families. But our mission remains consistent. So there's no question about it. We continue to strive uh, for 100%. And whether that's uh, tweaking the tools that we're using, so whether that's the curriculum, whether that's the technology, uh, whether it's continual professional development for our for our staff, uh, for our school leaders, for our academy leaders, uh, always doing our best to try to improve uh, not only as people but also as educators. And as you know, it's it's a journey. It's it's not a destination, and so we continue to try to work on. Uh, tweaking this and tweaking that to help our scholars to achieve at the highest level. So, so yes, absolutely. Uh, the North Star is always 100%. So we'll, we'll continue to work towards that. Now, I do want to say that uh, the mon- amount of money that families have to pay for that child to go to Ascension, I believe is $250 or $200 a year. Is that correct? Yeah, so our published uh, full tuition, annual tuition, is $1,400, a little over $1,400 per scholar. Um, and, and, it, and it costs, um, you know, north of twelve, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 or so a year to educate a scholar at Ascension. But on average, uh, about 200 to $250 per year is paid per scholar. Uh, And we rely on the generosity of individuals, of family foundations, corporate foundations to really help to bridge what what is a significant gap in the average amount that's paid uh, by a family versus the actual cost per year to educate a scholar. And it's always been the position of, of both the parish and of the school to not turn any family away due to their inability to pay. So we work with every family that comes to our door with regard to finances to help to make it an affordable experience for them. 
Once you arrived on that campus um, and you started to look at the students, look at the um, those that were in power, you know, those that uh, were the principals and you hadn't become the principal yet. I'm sure you did a, a walk through and kind of sat through and maybe even taught some classes. I'm just curious to know how far have you come since then? Well, I can tell you that I had an opportunity, a very unique opportunity to, uh, in essence, sort of intern or shadow uh, my predecessor. And I remember after the first week or two, I came back home and I said to my wife, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, you see, prior to coming to Ascension, uh, I worked at the secondary and the post-secondary level. So I hadn't worked at the uh, kindergarten through eighth grade level. Mm-hmm. And and it's very different. It's a very different world in high school. It's a very different world than post-secondary. But I tell you, after that second week, um, those scholars stole my heart. When I walk those hallways, I see myself. I see my sons. I see my nieces. I see my nephews, uh, figuratively and, frankly, sometimes literally. Um, but, but they are me. A lot of those scholars, I've had the same experiences growing up that they've had. Um, and I, I just I, I feel so blessed to have an opportunity to hopefully positively influence their lives on a day-to-day basis. And it's not easy. As I said, we all have lives outside of those four walls. And, and, and those challenges do not stop at the door. But what we say to scholars is that we don't want those challenges to be a crutch. We don't want that to prevent you from getting a great education. So while we want to be empathetic and do what we can to assist families to overcome those challenges, we also want to hold scholars accountable. So when I walk those halls, I see success. And I know that so that, that success is not going to come easy. So that um, what Ascension has accomplished, you know, doing so well, is this a model that you would take to public schools and say, try this? Even if it's not the Catholic, if they're not reading the catechism, if they're not, you know, um, accepting um, what you have as a Catholic school, but they can see how it can be used, parts of it, really important parts of it can be used in the public. There's no question. I I think we can all learn from each other. Um, in fact, uh, I mentioned NAS a little bit earlier in the conversation, Northside Achievement Zone. Mm-hmm. And in that decade's worth of partnership that we've had with them, um, you know, they have in a very unique way brought together many partners to the table um, from a number of different um, sectors. And of course, education being one of them. And one of those unique things that they have done is they have brought together traditional public school uh, educators charter public school educators and private school educators. And, and it's interesting when we get together, we're sitting at the same table, we're participating in the same meeting. Uh, you know, we talk about wanting to achieve the same goals and wanting to make sure that scholars have the best educational opportunity available to them and really work hard toward that. So, so you're absolutely right. There are things that, that each of us, regardless of, um, you know, whether we're in traditional public, charter public, or private schools, uh, that we can all learn from one another. 
I wish I had time to talk to you about the Minneapolis teachers that are striking, but hopefully I can have you back on and maybe we can uh, look back on those days and, you know, get your opinion of how that all happened and did it work. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Benito, Matias, and um, congratulations on having an incredible year at Ascension. You take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. We'll be back. It is now 829 here at WCCO. Um, My name is Geraldine Steele. If you're just joining us, we call it Steele Talking. And, of course, as we're talking about schools, the teachers are on strike in Minneapolis, and some people think it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't think it's ridiculous. I think they are absolutely right. Um, I have a lot of educators in my family, and it has just been the stories I've heard over the years. Um, The teachers just never seem to get the money that other states get, Um, and it should be more. Uh, I think they should have less students in the class, and I I completely agree with all of that. So um, as we look at other schools, especially private schools and how they do things, I really am a proponent of public schools, and I know that there are so many parents today all over the country that have a problem with the books. They have a problem with what the children are learning about. I say if the children can learn because they're learning on the buses all the time, and if they're going to learn the same stuff on the buses, that's way worse than what's in the library in the public schools, we should be concerned about that. So as we see these um, private schools doing better, my both of my children, my daughter and my son, I in high school, I put them in private schools. My daughter went to Creighton. My son went to St. Thomas Academy, right? And I was always concerned because we had deep conversations at the dinner table about it, and they shared their truth, what it was like being in that environment as a person of color. And there were things happening, I can't even tell you, things that would upset a parent, things that upset your child. But we can look at pieces of each of these models and say, hey, we need to come together and try to make this work well for all of our schools And I encourage that. We'll be back. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there.
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is now 8.37 here at WCCO. My goodness, the time is flying. This next guest I'm excited to talk to because we're going to talk about Meta Platforms, Inc., of course, which I call Facebook all the time, but I could be wrong. Um, but it's Adam Raziri. I hope I have that correct. Co-founder of Agency Interactive. Tell me if I'm right, Adam, and welcome. <laughs> You were pretty close, pretty close. You know, the first day of school growing up, there was always something a little different. But, yeah, Raziri is the last name, and uh, I'm with the agency partner Interactive. And you know what? For for your first attempts, not not bad. I've, I've heard way worse. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. So, you know, parents are really concerned about Instagram um, and so much more. And as we hear on Wednesday of this week, Instagram started, uh, last week, I'm sorry, Instagram started rolling out parental controls for its app for the first time. Uh, parent company Meta Platforms, Inc. will soon also let guardians supervise teens actively in virtual reality. But there are complications with all of this. What do you think? Always, always. And can you believe it was last week already? It's already Sunday, about to start a new I week. Know, I know, I <laughs> know. But, you know, so from a, from a parent perspective, you know, I'm still not really satisfied with what I'm seeing from, and I'm with you too, as far as the meta thing, like Facebook, meta, Instagram, I mean, eh, meta is still yeah. kind of a hard bite, right? Like, let's just it call really it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, in a nutshell, you know, it's, it's the interesting thing about these, these new parental controls is that your kid actually has to really consent to the parent having parental control over their app activity. So it's like the parent has to get literally permission from their kiddo to have the, the access to these parental controls, which is kind of goofy. It's not just kind of given, right? So, you know, that being said, the online space is a really big space. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of predators online. And, and then also too, in the world of rules, like, man, kids are really good at breaking rules to do things that they want to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, I, when it comes to Facebook and you know, we'll say Instagram is doing here to try and make the, the online app experience safer, it's just really not there yet. I mean, it's, it's giving parents the ability to monitor just how much time the kid spends on the app. Um, it gives kids an ability to report weird activity if there's a predator online or just something kind of off going on. It's easier for kids to report that kind of thing to their parents. But, you know, in a nutshell, I mean, I'm just, I'm still really not satisfied. I mean, we know that when it comes to just the pure business of the meta platforms, right, we know that they've been really trying to get kids under the age of 13 to join uh, because the truth is, is when it comes to their growth as a business and their, their necessity to report, you know, new users to the platform every quarter to their shareholders, they got to onboard new and younger and, and just more and more kids to their platform. But 
But the problem at is at what is, cost, though? At what cost? Exactly, exactly. At what cost, right? And and the the thing is, is we see how these social media platforms are used for really bad things. I mean, you know, I live in Texas, and we've seen how the Facebook platform, the Meta platforms, have been used to literally allow the cartels to employ kids to be a part of a lot of human trafficking, which is just insane. There are other situations where these social media platforms have been used to do things as crazy as perpetuating uh, a black market of organ trade of organ trading, which is kind of great, but, but it happens. Right. And, and so that's just really terrible. But then, you know, of course you also see how social media will, will literally humiliate kids and, and it'll kind of serve as a tool to spread just disgusting content, like, you know, child pornography and, and just not enough action from the, from these companies to actually stifle things like that. Um, there's this thing called Section 230, which is a it's a legal protection that these platforms have that basically protects them from user-generated uh, content. And we've even saw Twitter basically shout out to Section 230 when they were being sued by a kid who was asking them to take down imagery of him that was basically nude imagery, right? Like, that should be a really easy thing for them to do, to just respond to that request and take it down and then give that kid information about who posted it to begin with. But and why won't they, they? Why won't they? Exactly. Exactly. You know, a lot of it, I think, is because they are so big and their business operations are very robotic. So when a real concern like this is, is elevated or escalated or brought to their attention, they're just really bad at responding to things the way they should. And, and so that's really unfortunate, right? It, it takes basically Twitter's legal team to kind of ignore this kid's request and then for them to get sued and then to cite Section 230 as a protection from this terrible content that, that they've allowed to exist on their platform. So, you know, if I'm a parent, I'm just like, you know what, go outside, you know, play basketball, ride your bike, it, it, enjoy the beautiful earth that God gave us, right? Like, you don't have to spend all of your time online and on a, on a, on a, on a mobile device or on a screen. Uh, there's so much more to life than, than what these social media platforms sort of try to isolate kids down to. You know, our children are so smart. They get ahead, way ahead of what these companies like Facebook or Meta <coughs> platforms um, is doing. And the problem with that is that we get in as parents, we get in too late. They've already experienced it. They've already mm-hmm. given out too much information. There are creepy people out there. And I don't understand right. why a company wants to serve the creepy, weird people that are doing this stuff, that are trying to abuse the children, trying to take advantage of what they have an opportunity to do. And of course, with Jeffrey Epstein, we started learning so much more about these predators, right? Who who are after children, young, young children. So I have a real problem with this as a parent. And for, for all of these control tools they talk about in this article, you know, they require teens to give access to their parents. So now the teens have the power. What about the parents <laughs> exactly. having the power? It's, it's a little backwards, right? And, and that's, that's just typical, right? It's par for the course here. You have literally Meta not responding to a societal need or to a, a family need or a child safety need. Uh, they don't even respond to a market need. They respond to internal business needs. And what they need right now as a business is they need parents to trust them, right? We, we saw last year just so many terrible, terrible headlines hit the Facebook platforms. I mean, it was almost like a weekly basis, right? It was like, like just terrible stuff going on from – uh, the border crisis situation with like kids being used for human trafficking as literally in like an employment scenario to um, the, the whistleblower, uh, which was huge. 
Um, and so now I think they're trying to sort of like get in good favor with parents, but you know, to, to your point and kind of to what we all, we, I think we both agree on, it's really just not good enough. Um, Facebook, it, it, it literally basically chose to hide internal documentation following a study that exposed the fact that their platform Instagram is scientifically bad for the mental health of teenage girls. You know, it forces these, these young kiddos to really try to conform to this literally fake like life, right? Like these beautiful uh, edited images that are just not natural and that nobody really actually looks like, right? Like forcing girls to try and live up to standards that just are not realistic. Um, they, they as a company knew that this platform was not good for, for, for girls, but at the same time, when it comes down to them versus TikTok, you have TikTok as like a really, I mean, just it's grown so fast and it really goes after, I think, the meta platform's key demographic. Um, and so when they see their forecast and they're just like, oh my gosh, we are seeing our user growth typically like four and a half percent go down to 1.8% by 2023. Shoot, we got to find a way to get more kids on our platform. And that's kind of like this scramble situation that I think Facebook's been dealing with behind the scenes. Mm. So this has been like the perfect storm. Um, it's all to me. It all started with these um, children shows that we've seen on television um, where they're dancing to adult songs, you know, songs that talk about relationships and go pretty clear into it. And these adorable children are standing there and they're dancing and, you know, they're dressed really cute, but not inappropriately. And they are singing the same songs, you know, the young people are uh, 18 and up are listening to on the radio, which, of course, has right. Appropriate language. I believe it starts with all of that, and all of that makes it makes the parents feel like, well, that is so beautiful and so cute. I don't think I would mind my child being on Instagram, or you know, they can talk to people, and if they hear about you, go to your child and say, hey, hey, you know, if if someone says something about you negative, come to me. But that's not enough because now they're going to be looking at their phones all night long. All night long trying oh, yeah. to figure out, are they still saying those things about me? So how are they handling the mental challenge that we have with these young teenagers? They're not even addressing it. You know, they're really exactly. not. They're, they're, they're trying to play the PR game. They're trying to get you as parents to really just like, really kind of enjoy the platform just as an individual user, right? Like every like, every follow, every comment, you get a notification on your mobile device that really tells the brain, okay, boom, time for a dopamine hit. And then your brain likes that feeling of engagement. And so you as an individual user, as a parent, you know, you're hooked on it too. And then all of a sudden you're realizing that you've been looking at your phone for an hour and you haven't even looked up to see what your kid's doing, right? I mean, it, it, it's crazy. And these platforms know how to use science to basically get you to ignore a problem that I think we're trying to expose here. So, you know, the, the bottom line here is we're talking about platforms that are so, so powerful here. Uh, they they literally in their from their algorithms they know what you like they know what you want to see next right and so when they know that kind of information about you I mean it's almost like they can do anything right and that's the frightening part they can do anything <clears throat> and we won't be able to do anything as parents that's my fear because they're giving the power to the children they should be giving the power to the parents. Well, can you imagine too? I mean, kiddos, right? So in our brain, the prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain that helps us kind of think about the long-term impacts of our decisions. Like, okay, so if I go play in traffic, like what could happen, right, from that? Mm -hmm. Kids, their prefrontal cortex, it's not done developing until they're 25 years old. So when they post things online, 
they're not thinking about the permanence the permanency of what they're posting you know then flash forward they're 18 they're 20 you know they're in their their mid-20s they're trying to get a job but all this crazy stuff from their social past right is public and it's online and whether it's really good or really terrible you know when they were posting stuff like that to begin with they weren't even thinking about the what if right um right. kids are just they to be protected in some cases from themselves right but first and foremost from a very predatory market that you know from a business side these these social media companies these big tech companies want to monetize their kids um but then of course we also know that there's a lot of bad people out there as well that's so true. Now, I'm not trying to go way back to you know, what they call the good old days, because the good old days were not necessarily good for a person like me who's African-American. Um, but I am trying to go forward and to make sure that their experience, the children today, their experience is at least as good as mine were. I'm not asking you to do the same thing. So here we are looking at... Um, Facebook or Meta, whatever. Um, it says the tools won't allow parents to see posts their teens like or comment on, direct messages they send and receive, or content they are viewing. They won't allow parents to see those. So you are tainting our children even when we want to be involved. Right. How is that? It, How is that even legal? It's, it's crazy. It, it really seems counterproductive, right? And, and so it's so interesting, too, because sometimes when you see the, the executives at Facebook, Meta, at Twitter, you know, at these big tech companies, incredible, for the most part, really incredible people that work there as individuals, but collectively, they kind of lose themselves. And so at an individual level, even a lot of these tech executives don't allow their own kids on the platforms that they serve as employees. So, you know, it's kind of crazy, right? It's like, how is it that a guy like Adam Mossery, right, of, of Instagram, their leader, you know, he's a guy that wants to protect his kids from the platform that's made him very, very rich. So how are they convincing parents that this is safe? What are they telling them? <laughs> they're, they're really not. Like, they're really not. Um, they're, and, they're, and they're just trying to kind of bank on the fact that parents will just enjoy the platform for what it is. They're trying to make people look past really just a, a history of a lot of bad headlines and to look towards this concept called the metaverse and, and AR and VR experiences. Um, they're, they're trying to literally just try to get you to forget about the, the danger of things by hitting you with other headlines that are different and maybe exciting, uh, but, but specific to this announcement about this first wave of parental controls, you know, it, I, I think as we can both agree, they, they're just really inadequate. Um, it's almost like, you know, I don't know. It's almost like putting sugar on, you know, dog poop and calling it, you know, a treat. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, or dinner. Working. Yeah, there you go. Right. There you go. Exactly. Adam, I wish exactly. we had more time, man. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Adam Rizzi, Riziri, and of course he's co-founder Perfect. of Agency Interactive. I loved talking to you, and I wish I had another half hour with you. But thank you so much. Hey, such a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. We're gonna take a break. Do some weather. So I'm sorry, not weather. Give give you some spots, and we'll be right back. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just three ninety nine. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at two fifty. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases, and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with sixty month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone. Bottom line is, as you hear about what's happening with our young people, there are so many young people that have phones. I remember I got my niece, Jasmine, um, a, an, um, an iPhone, or I don't think it was an iPhone. I think it was a, a bit less expensive, but maybe a Samsung. And I got it for her at the age of 10. She was almost 11. And my sister was so upset with me. She said, it's not time. There's too much on these phones that she can get addicted to or get attached to. And this is what Adam Vaziri was talking about. And it's really crazy. So please pay attention to what meta platforms, or you can call it Google or whatever, Instagram, what they're doing does not, don't play with that. Okay. We'll be back with center stage, all things arts and entertainment in just a moment. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 